0: My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. All right. Hi, Saran. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. We were just talking off air on She is in Canada and I am in Boston and how in this type of weather, not warm at all, we've been bundling up to get outside for our daily walks.
1: Absolutely, um, not shy about it. Not trying to look cute. Yep, uh, putting the snow pants on in the whole bit, <laughs> yeah. and actually, you start to really warm up. You start to really warm up um, once you get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes I, I kind of regret putting so much on it, depending on the pace and how far I get.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, you know, it's still, even though it feels cold, like it's still good to get that fresh air in and a little bit of sunlight, especially now. Yeah,
0: yeah. definitely. So Saran is a holistic nutrition practitioner and an herbalist and your primary focus is helping women support optimal hormone balance, reproductive health, reduce stress, and live according to their natural rhythms and cycles.
1: Yes, that, that's a perfect summary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I nailed it. So that's amazing. I mean, obviously as a female, I can absolutely respect your work. And as someone who specializes in gut health, I can't talk about gut health without bringing in, you know, the conversation of hormones. And I've done previous episodes on the importance of hormone balance. Um, What is it that got you interested into this field, Um, obviously other than being a female, but um, what is it that got you interested into what you do now?
1: Um, So once I actually started this area of study, so holistic nutrition was sort of the gateway to everything else. But once I started seeing um, clients, most of them were were women and um, they weren't just coming in because they wanted to lose weight Mm. or even if they wanted to lose weight, there was underlying issues that were um, hormone related. So I ended up doing a lot more study and a lot more work around, okay, the root causes, balancing hormones, what is the optimal nutrition to support that? So it kind of ended up evolving naturally. It wasn't um, on purpose that I decided to work specifically in you know, reproductive health and wellness. It just ended up being that way because of who was coming to me and what they were deal- dealing with. And of course, um, it just got me really curious as well. I didn't typically have reproductive health issues. I have three children myself. I didn't have any issues with conceiving them um yes when I was younger you know you have menstrual cramps and you know my my cycle was kind of heavy but I didn't have any like overt issues mm. there were some shifts that I noticed once I got to my early 30s though which I think is really common with a lot of women mm. um something kind of happens around like 32 33 34 <laughs> and you know you start to maybe notice some symptoms right Mm. so for me that was um just a little bit longer cycles not extreme Mm. Um, but it didn't take too much for me to just adjust and everything come into balance so when i tell people that you know i don't have cramps they look at me funny like how (laughs) and i'm like it's actually possible to have pain-free periods it's actually possible to not Have like a really heavy flow. You just, you know, once you start to understand and know your body and know what you need to support that, then, you know, it can be a lot easier.
0: Wow. Well, that's amazing. And I think it's so great that you've, you know, you've been meeting the needs of the people that are coming to you and seeking advice from you, which is amazing. And it's funny because I, whenever I talk to clients, I'll say, okay, and tell me about your menstrual cycle. And they'll say, Oh, you know, it's fine. I, you know, I get my cramps and some headaches and PMS symptoms, stuff like that, but, you know, the usual. And I think it's, we've become so accustomed to considering that as being normal when, as you just mentioned, people don't realize that those things are usually a sign that there's something underlying, some root cause that needs to be addressed. And, you know, we'll definitely dive more into that today as we talk about um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which it was funny. I did a poll last night and I said, you know, what are some things that you guys want to like questions that you have? I'm doing an episode on this tomorrow. And my boyfriend says, what's what's P-O-C-S? And so, so, I, so I said, that's a great place to start. <laughs> um, let's start with what is it? What is polycystic ovarian syndrome? So I'll let you take this one.
1: So the name doesn't necessarily um Indicate what it is. It's actually quite complex. I'm usually diagnosed by looking at you know different symptoms, but within that there's different types of um, PCOS. So some people will have cystic ovaries, meaning that they have multiple follicles um, that are not maturing all the way. That there's not one dominant uh, follicle. Um, but then there's also inflammatory uh, PCOS which is associated with insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there is adrenal PCOS. So typically folks might have higher androgens um, and with adrenal PCOS, DHEA specifically is elevated Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily the other androgens like testosterone. Um, And then you have post-pill PCOS. So if you're on the um, birth control pill for a long time, then it, you know, you can develop those symptoms. But typically it is, um, you know, if you're having irregular cycles, so very long um, cycles, mm-hmm. you're not ovulating. That's basically one of the hallmarks um, of PCOS. And again, and as mentioned before, elevated androgens. So male hormones, um, you know, sometimes that looks like, Um, excessive facial hair or body hair. Um, You know, there's a a lot of different factors there when trying to determine what that is. Um, So typically a a, a person might go to their doctor who is not ovulating and saying, I don't know what's wrong. And then they'll start to do that investigative work. They'll do the blood panels to check check the androgens, check your blood sugar and, and sort of go from there.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of nuance, I feel to the diagnosis of this. And as you just went through, there's different kinds. And I think every doctor might have their own approach to how they diagnose it or what their criteria is for giving you the diagnosis. Because I can personally speak to my own experience. Um, I had hypothalamic amenorrhea. And so I did have cysts on the ovaries at one point, And um, they diagnosed me with PCOS, but it was really hypothalamic amenorrhea. So it, there's so many clients who come to me who will say, you know, my client, my, I mean, my doctor diagnosed me with PCOS and then I'll ask them, you know, well, did you have high androgens or um, did you, did they do an ultrasound? Did they find that you have cysts? And they'll say, well, no, I mean, they didn't do any of that. They just told me that because I'm not getting a regular period, I don't have it. So I think it, it becomes confusing as the the um you know person who's sitting in the patient's seat where they they don't have the education to understand that and there like you just mentioned there's so many different um, nuances to it
1: well and and that's that's one of the things too so in that case you know when there's no cysts on the ovaries there's you know blood sugar is normal um, then you then you look at the you know, the and, androgens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, even if the, it's, it might be adrenal uh, PCOS, and so when it's adrenal PCOS, it's definitely linked to stress, mm. right? Because the HPA access is involved with that. So um, the, the DHEA is typically elevated while the other ones are maybe normal level right? So with clients like that, you definitely want to, you know, look at the nervous system first, but we'll go into (laughs) what that might look like.
0: Definitely. So some other symptoms that you see that are really common. um, I know for a lot of my clients, they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm working out like seven days a week. I'm eating so well and I'm not losing weight. I'm actually more tired you know those are some common symptoms that i see what are some that you see in your practice
1: the same so um weight gain and um so weight gain cystic acne so i have one client now who's actually really struggling with with that um part of it um it's really challenging and that that a lot of the androgens actually drive that that bit of it And it it really can do so much damage to self-image if there's a lot of acne or facial hair or hair loss is another um, symptom as well that is common Um, and so you know it's there there's there's a whole component where it comes to the mind that Mm -hmm. i really kind of work through with clients um, and self-image and self-acceptance because it really does affect that. It's not just that you are doing everything you can. I'm doing all the things. Like usually that's what it is, right? I'm doing all the things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm cutting out sugar and I'm not, you know, know, I I think my diet is fine. I took all these things out. I'm exercising. So then we go a little bit further. Well, what type of exercise are you doing? Are you just trying to do cardio? Mm -hmm. You know, um, PCOS- responds better to slow weight bearing exercise as opposed to a lot of cardio, for example. Mm-hmm. So we we look at different things and different approaches, but that mental emotional piece is really important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned the acne that is also a really common one that I see. Um, and then, you know, headaches are, in the, this gets into so much overlap, right? Because these things can be caused by anything, yes. but Um, Miss periods, so fewer than eight total per year, prolonged periods, heavy menstrual bleeding, thinning hair or baldness, trouble getting pregnant, trouble sleeping, pelvic pain, moodiness, um, all of those things.
1: But there's a lot of overlap there, right? Yeah. As you mentioned, there's so much overlap. So there's so many things that could be causing that. Um, And uh, fatigue, chronic fatigue. Uh, which is why, again, we always, you know, look at the HPA axis and supporting that. Um, and that actually really helps. I mean, I've had clients who, you know, are able to get pregnant who, you know, they, the whole point that of them coming to me was, I'm, I want to have a baby, but my doctor says I have PCOS. What can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I actually noticed, too, um, with some folks with PCOS, to us is high triglyceride levels as well. Mm. Um, but that goes hand in hand with blood sugar issues. So, you know, there are certain types of um, depending on the root cause, um, you know, really drilling down on the diet and nutrition is extremely supportive. With some people, it has a lot to do with lifestyle and what's happening in their, you know, psychospiritual and emotional environment.
0: So that was actually going to be my, my next topic for you is, okay, so what causes PCOS? Like how does somebody get to the point where it's impacting their life in such a negative way? Um, I know you mentioned, so stress, the HPA axis can play a huge role, um, and then lifestyle, which we'll definitely get into in more detail. I know there's a little bit of a genetic component in there as well. Um, just based. I was just going to say
1: there's a genetic component. Um, so if there's a genetic component, um, you know, we we often think that we don't have control of our genes, right? That um, once we have a, pre, a predisposition to something, then that means that, you know, the writing is on the wall for us. But, you know, there are studies in epigenetics that say otherwise, if you are um, not triggering the gene expression, then those things will not necessarily, you know, come up as an issue. So we we tend to do a, a little bit of a deep dive into, um, you know, family history. So if you had a parent or a mother who struggled with fertility or a grandparent, whatever it is, we look at that. We look at lifestyle and culture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot around that, um, that I could speak on. Um, so I'm trying to think of, okay, if I'll speak on it here, I will, I'll just leave that piece a bit towards the end. Um, and then lifestyle. So if you've had any kind of traumatic experience and there are um, studies that show that there's a link between, um, you know, chronic stress in, the, um, in puberty. So right around when the, the start of a cycle hmm. and the PCOS development later on, okay? Wow. So when I work with clients, I often do a timeline and I will, you know, starting from birth <laughs> till the present age, and we look at, you know, particular milestones. And I really ask them to focus in if they can remember what was happening with them in their, you know, home environment or, you know, anything else around that time of puberty. Um, and if they can recall anything, we, we kind of try to, you know, work with that and, and see how that is playing out. Um, a lot of those habits and your the thoughts around what it means to be um, to be feminine, if you will. I don't really want to I'm not using it in in terms of being gender specific, but I mean okay. just what it means to come into adulthood through that rite of passage right when you first start your period. What were the feelings around that, right? That has a huge impact on it. So when we look at lifestyle, a lot of that is cemented from those early ages. How are you, what's your body, was your body image? Were you, was weight always a struggle? That's, I can almost guarantee (laughs) that a lot of um, folks who have um, issues with PCOS, there was a lot of self-image issues early on in puberty. So Mm
0: -hmm. really
1: dealing with that um, aspect of it is really important.
0: And that's interesting too, because some of the research that I was looking at prior to this, that was more specific to something else and completely, but uh, there was a lot of discussion about, you know, eating disorders and the link between disordered eating and, you know, some studies showing that normalizing eating patterns, you know, patients who had bulimia or binge eating disorder, um ways that they can improve um, cysts and things like that, and th- those those populations being more vulnerable. so it that it ties right into what you were just saying.
1: absolutely. So here's another interesting one mm-hmm. that I've observed is um the relationship between being and doing. So mm-hmm. sometimes clients who have very um, high stress jobs or even jobs that are are very masculine dominated, like engineering or you know, something like that. And they have they're used to being in a particular energy and they need it actually to, you know, to be able to do the jobs that they're doing. Um, sometimes there there's that imbalance that happens too that reflects in their hor- in the hormones. Wow. So um really I focus a lot on Um, you know, cultivating a different energy or creating that balance in that energy um, emotionally and spiritually as well. Because especially if they're looking at um, becoming pregnant, uh, you know, we talk about what it is to nurture something, um, to be receptive, compassionate, and, you know, developing those self-compassion, especially, Um, how can you cultivate those things to help to create that balance because a lot of it really is mental and emotional
0: and and you're not saying oh it's it's all in your head you're saying there's there's a there's a relationship right there with yourself and um, you know how you carry yourself talk to yourself treat yourself which is absolutely beautiful and you know, we're going to talk about all the things, right? We're going to talk about medications and lifestyle. But <laughs> but that, I think, I love that you led with that. And because it is so important, not just, of course, with hormones and PCOS in specifically, but overall health. I mean, you know, you know better than anybody, it's, it's the, the front of the line of the work that you do. And I think that's absolutely amazing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So we look at... Um, The relationship with food. So we're talking about lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're looking we're looking at relationships with food. There's sometimes disordered relationships with food um, or, you know, uh, you know, being chastised early on Mm -hmm. um, in puberty around their relationship with food. So coming into balance with that um, and not being hard on yourself when you're making certain decisions, because that, it's, it's a bit of a cycle. I'm doing everything. I'm making all the changes. It's not working. Yeah. So going back to the things that are comfortable, right, provide the most comfort. And, you know, su- sweets and, you know, chocolate and, you know, starchy foods, those are all things that really provide some level of comfort. But they also, if you have maybe um, insulin-related PCOS, can exacerbate that. So we're looking at how can we remineralize the body? How can we find comfort in other ways? Um, You know, everybody has different coping mechanisms and really challenging, um, you know, folks to to find that that self-compassion piece as you go on this journey. Because it's not just... um, it's, it's not overnight, it's not an overnight process. And sometimes you think, okay, well, I saw this person on social media and like you see their like weight loss pictures, right? Yep. Um, they're like holding the jeans out and it's like, oh, well, why can't I do that? Why, why is that not happening for me? And it, it takes a little bit more than that, right? Um, and then it's like, well, um, should I just go on medication? Will that solve the problem? And then I would I I always say, if your gas tank is on E and you have um, the light comes on, you don't just put black tape on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you you do what you need to um, you fill the tank essentially. So just because you can't see it doesn't mean it goes away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's that's what happens when we take the medication. You take the medication and everything is fine, but once you take that med- stop taking that medication.
0: Then you know the symptoms are right back. Yeah, I had a I had a client actually who was on the you know hormonal birth control, the oral contraceptive, and she had been managing right symptoms of PCOS with that oral contraceptive. And then you know we were working on gut health specific things, and she had come to her own personal decision of trying to eliminate that. And since eliminating that, um, all her PCOS symptoms came back, and. She said, "Well, now my symptoms are back." I said, "Well, your the root cause never changed. The root cause was always there, but now you're just you took the black tape off," is what you just said. And Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So can you speak to the other medication so Hormonal contraceptives, that's a big one that a doctor will prescribe for irregular cycles, or also I've seen it prescribed a lot for, for acne or, um, you know, the excess hair growth and things like that. But what are some of the other medications that you see um, prescribed? And maybe we can just... The, the main on. one? Yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the main one is that I uh, mostly, um, my clients are um, prescribed is metformin. Um, Especially if there's like the insulin resistance component to it., uh, which is fine. It's actually a better option. I mean, I mean, when I say fine, <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's it's a better option than the hormonal birth control because the hormonal birth control really just masks the the symptoms. Mm-hmm. It, you're not actually you're still not ovulating. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just you're, even you're controlling the symptoms. At, yeah, yeah. So you're you're experiencing an ovulation with PCOS, but when you are actually on hormonal birth control, you're also not uh, ovulating either. So metformin is um, a drug used to control blood sugar or for blood sugar regulation, um, and is is very commonly prescribed. What I've found. With clients who are prescribed that and have said to me, I don't want to take metformin, or they may take it or say, How can I wean myself off of it? Um, Working very closely with their doctor, of course. Um, I don't ever recommend coming off medication that has been prescribed by uh, a medical doctor. Um, You know, that's where um, dietary changes really um, come in. So once blood sugar levels are regulated or come into balance, so you know we're constantly monitoring blood sugar levels, and then we'll look at um, once they go to their doctor and if the doctor says, okay, you, you seem stable now, um, you can consider to coming off of it. Um, then we look at herbal um, remedies that actually do the same or have the same effect as women I in terms of helping to support blood sugar levels. The thing is, though, I would, if you're prescribed medication, I really highly recommend that you are talking to your doctor about a plan. So it's not just about going on, going on the medication. It's like, well, what's the plan for me? Like, mm. how long? you know, am I going to be on this medication for? And what are, how are we working towards getting me off of it? Because that's ultimately, you know, you, you don't want to be medicated for life if you can avoid it. So working with your doctor and saying, okay, I know this is what I need right now. Um, how can I work towards getting off? What's the time frame? And what what criteria do I have to meet in order to be considered you know you know able to to get off of it
0: advocating for yourself and empowering your your healthcare decision to be able to say okay we're a team here work with your doctor you know create that plan and and have a a set of actions that makes you feel really confident and um, hopeful as well I think that can be really really nice when you feel hopeful about what the, the end point of that medication might look like if any at all
1: Absolutely. And I think most of the time, metformin is prescribed when um, a person comes in and says they want to um, conceive. They're trying to get pregnant. Um, That's the drug, typically, that they'll say. Um, Otherwise, it's very common for hormonal uh, birth control to be prescribed as well.
0: So what are your thoughts Um, on... um... Yeah. What are your thoughts on um, myo-inositol, which um, I know there are different um, types of this, but I, I've used it in my practice before, um, specifically with people who are looking to conceive um, and have had actually some pretty good success with it without the side effects. But is there anything that you use in your practice that you found to be really beneficial?
1: Um, so because I, I use a lot of herbal medicine, um, I look for herbs, um, spe- specifically bitter herbs, herbs that have an action on the liver. Okay. Um, and then um, Oregon grapefruit is an excellent one. Actually, there are studies on Oregon grapefruit um, and it's and comparing it to metformin and its effects. Um, so that it just depends on the client, again, um, because with herbs, you really have to, study the constitution of the person, you know, other underlying factors, et cetera. Um, But definitely I focus on bitter herbs, um, incorporating more bitter foods, that really helps to support um, the blood sugar regulation piece of it. But inositol, of course, that one, um, I do have actually one client right now who takes that Mm -hmm. um, and that she finds very helpful.
0: That's great. Yeah, I am. I'm definitely not an expert in herbals by any means. Um, so I'll have to <laughs> have to get some more information from you and learn a little bit more about that. That's a. I believe in the practice of them, and I think that they can be incredibly powerful, as you know. Um, but that's the main one that I will use with clients. Um, and just for the listeners,
1: berberine to, is also another one. Sorry, okay. Berberine is also okay. another. Um, it's it's a constituent of 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 herbs um, mm-hmm. that, you, that actually has a really, um, it's very potent actually and, and works quite well. It's in a lot of formulas um, for blood sugar regulation um, and hormone balance. Awesome. So, and it's actually quite commonly used for PCOS as well.
0: Excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I just wanted to make clear for the listeners that um when I was saying that it's myo inositol versus the there's a D-chiro inositol which the D-chiro one improves the insulin sensitivity of non-ovarian tissues while the myo inositol specifically targets the ovaries. So, it's important that you as a consumer make the differentiation and don't just go on Amazon and get yourself a, a supplement off the dark web. Um, you want to work with a professional and make sure that you're getting the right thing. So, absolutely, you, you mentioned uh, you know the insulin resistant form of PCOS. Now, I, I'm picturing the typical scenario is you're diagnosed with PCOS. You don't know anything about it. You don't know what maybe the root causes you go to Google and there's all this talk about managing blood sugar and watching out for sugar and starchy carbohydrates. And so I think a lot of the first reaction is, okay, so I have to cut out carbohydrates um, and then you'll see like exercise. So then they say, okay, and I have to exercise and those things too together. I mean, hello, that's like a storm for stress on the body. Right. So absolutely so what, what, what would you say to somebody who came to you and said, okay, I just read that I have to go low carb. I need to start working out more. Um, you know, treat me like one of your clients. What would you say to them in, in a obviously very broad <laughs> term to kind of help educate the listener? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So um, I typically um, start again with a psychospiritual emotional piece. Cause I feel like that sets the foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, And we go through um, quite a few exercises to help support that. Then the next step would be looking at a diet. So maybe doing a diet diary, not making drastic um, changes all at once, because like you mentioned, that will really add to the stress. So making very simple changes at first while we work on this the psycho-spiritual emotional piece. So that is like simple changes. Um, So if if there's a lot of sugar uh, processed foods, you know, saying how can we um, reduce that in the beginning? Can you cook more foods? Because some people don't even cook right Um, their own meals so really starting there what foods do you like what what vegetables are you are tolerable to you what do you not just kind of you know going on the internet like you said and taking a diet plan off because that might not work you might not like broccoli or Mm. cauliflower so what are the ones that you like that you can incorporate and you will eat happily Mm -hmm. so it's again cultivating a different relationship with with food Right, so once you can make those small changes, then we can go do something a little bit more, right? So we can look at what the plate composition looks like. Um, You know, can we make a switch? Well, if you are used to eating a lot of white rice, for example, can we switch to a whole grain? Which ones do you like? Really experimenting, really playing around. So not just, the diagnosis is sort of like the back of the mind. Right, and really looking at cultivating better relationships with food, and you know, educating about what what is in the food, what nutrients are important. Of course, there's certain supplements that I I typically um, like to suggest right off the bat if they're not taking any. So a B complex um, for sure, mm-hmm. magnesium, zinc. Um, you know, just ones like that to really support the body and. Depending on what's happening, you know, a digestive enzyme, probiotic, um, but again, not going too crazy with all the supplements in the beginning, just kind of gradually, um, you know, going in and and seeing what is needed.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the things you just mentioned, too, it might sound like a lot to the listener, but those are things that you could find in a really good high quality multivitamin. Those are basic essentials those are things that your body needs that we we typically don't get a lot of things like you mentioned magnesium we don't get a lot of because of the depletion in our soil um, or just you know our typical food choices so I think that's that's a really excellent approach and um, you know I've I've done a a quite a bit of research between the link between gut health and um, PCOS and how you know the benefits of gut health are, are of course endless in terms of how you can manage you know, symptoms and also the prognosis of it. And it makes sense because there's plenty of research that shows how the gut bacteria is linked to insulin um, control. There's plenty of um, research that shows that the gut is linked to inflammation in the body. And, and so all of the things that the gut is connected to are also connected to PCOS and um, so, taking a probiotic can be great, and it can help your body naturally detox estrogen if you have enough of that beta-glucuronidase enzyme, for instance. Um, so, so that's that's excellent. I think that we definitely um, can agree on on that that gut health focus for sure.
1: Absolutely, um, and there's a lot. Oftentimes, there's that intestinal permeability that's happening, so that gut repair. Um, eventually, you know, is part of the the protocol because um, that is going to lead to a lot more inflammation in the body if there's intestinal permeability. So, you know, looking at, you know, allergenic foods and trying to reduce that as much as possible, of course, all of those things are going to help with that, that inflammatory response.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of um there's a lot of things on social media where people will say, you know, go gluten-free and dairy-free and I can personally say that I'm I'm not dogmatic. I don't have one diet that I prescribe to for my clients, um but but I think naturally when you start eating in a more balanced way and you start eating more whole foods, you naturally are eating less processed gluten products, you're eating less processed conventional dairy. And so you know, we can get into the research, we can dig all day and have conversations about it. But at the, at the end of the day, we know that a whole food balanced diet, like, you know, mostly full of plants and plenty of protein from from all types of sources, um, is supportive of decreasing inflammation, balancing hormones, improving mental health, you know, the list goes on, right? So we can get into the nitty gritty of, Absolutely. you know, is it gluten free? Is it lectin free? Is it, you know, vegan? It's, it's a, a balanced whole food, you know, diet as much as possible and not demonizing foods. I love how you keep bringing into that aspect of that relation to that mental health aspect of it. You don't want to demonize these foods that can add to stress. So, you know, it's, it's all about balance at the end of the day, which isn't sexy. People don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear. <laughs> that <all> about balance. <laughs> I absolutely. And, you know, um, it
1: it's so interesting too because we know that when we're in experiencing high levels of stress where our digestive our digestive systems are turned off so sometimes it's not even that you're necessarily allergic or having an, an allergic reaction to food or a sensitivity but because you're in a state of chronic stress you're actually not digesting well Part right? of, so sometimes i will i've found that myself personally right um digest, things that i can eat when i'm not stressed <laughs> um, are different than things i can eat when i am stressed you know what i mean my diet has to be really simple if i'm going through a stressful period mm-hmm. i can't my body can't take a lot of different things but if i'm pretty calm relaxed everything's going great everything like i, I can pretty much eat anything yeah so that's a big part of it
0: you know. It's so funny that you say that too because I have this theory. Um, because I can speak to that for sure. I will, all specifically, I have like FOD maps for instance that are big triggers for me, like dried fruits and things like that. That if I'm in a stressful period, which is you know pretty frequent in my life right now, I think a lot of people are going through stressful times. Um, I definitely notice a direct impact with that, and so my theory is, you know, how people say you know, they go to France or Italy, if they're fortunate to do so, whatever, and they'll say, well, I ate gluten and dairy there, and I didn't have any digestive issues. And it must be because the the US is putting, you know, stuff in their food that's toxic. And, you know, I'm, I have my issues with the food industry here. But could it also be that you were on vacation, and you allowed yourself to eat bread because you were in Italy, which you knew, you couldn't avoid doing because how could you go to Italy or France and say you didn't eat the pasta, the bread, the cheese, and could it have been that you were just more relaxed and you were on vacation? Absolutely.
1: I totally, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, So, (laughs) you know, that, that, that part of it is so important, the rest and digest, how can we get you into that place? Because that makes things way easier, you know, um, so addressing the nervous system, bringing that energy down, I actually just posted on my, um, on Instagram an IGTV video about herbs that are specific for the central nervous system and, and how important that is for supporting reproductive health in general, because you're moving the energy from up here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Right? So you can yeah. digest, you know, um, so your adrenal glands, you're not in fight or flight constantly. You know what I mean? It
0: all really helps. <laughs> I'm going to check that post out as soon as we hop off here. And you mentioned <laughs> fight or flight, which is a perfect time to talk about exercise, right? So second aspect of it is is movement, right? Moving our bodies. And we know that movement is good, but we also know that too much movement, especially with PCOS, is not good. So can you talk about What's the best type of exercise to do if you have PCOS? Um, what's the worst? And what are signs? Well, I know I'm loading you up here. I'll, I'll remember the last one. What are some signs that you're overdoing it?
1: Okay. So the, 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 the typical recommendation is slow, low, imp, um, you know, weight-bearing exercise.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But again, that can cause even more in, inflammation. So making sure that you have um, sufficient amounts of um, vitamin C, in your diet to help with the inflammatory response. If you're going to be um, working out, I wouldn't, you know, working out hard five days a week is not something I would necessarily necessarily, uh, suggest. But like food, you want to do exercises that you can do consistent, fairly consistently that you like. So for some women that might look like um, a a yoga class, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Vinyasa, Yoga class for some women, it might be a Yin yoga class. You still want to be moving your body and and training your body to, um, you know, use energy in a particular way. But I always emphasize, what do you like? Like if you're not a runner, like that's that's not going to be a thing. Now that you've got a a PCOS diagnosis. You're not going to overnight become a runner, but what do you enjoy? So I have some clients who love Zumba. They love to dance. Mm. And that form of exercise really is helpful because there's that mental connection as well. They're not doing it because they have PCOS. They're doing it because they they like to dance and they know that it is supporting their their overall um, efforts, right, to heal. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to remember. The, no, the I, 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 I can help me. you with
0: that too. But it's so funny. I'm thinking about any time I've ever been to the gym and you look at the people in the Zumba class, right? And they're smiling, they're energized, like they're whipping their head yes. back and forth. Like that you can just tell they feel good. And um, I recently started incorporating more dance into my physical activity. And man, is it it is empowering. Like you feel, I mean, this is personally, but it just, it speaks to, you know, I was smiling, I was laughing. I felt like just so good in my body after doing it. And I feel the same way when I do lift weights sometimes or do yoga sometimes, like it is so important to tap into what gives you that feeling. Like you shouldn't wake up every day. Like, yes, I can't wait to get to the gym or do my Zumba class. Like sometimes it doesn't always feel great at first, but ultimately to your point, you should be enjoying it. Um, so what is, what Absolutely. is the, the type of exercise you shouldn't be doing um, outside of just the mental component of it? Like what is going to be too stressful? So you mentioned, um, you know, you want to have some sort of like almost like weight bearing activity, but having too much inflammation. So going to the gym every single, every single day, a week, doing hard, high intensity interval workouts, yes. not that, idea. that's exactly. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. So you want some of some of that, but you really don't
1: want to go to extreme of that because we're we're managing that inflammation in the body. Um, so that would be the main one. I and I know again, there's also this idea that well, I'm just gonna like do like a ton of cardio. I hear that a lot. Okay, like I'm just gonna burn fat, mm. and you know, based on how our our body makeup, we don't actually it doesn't act actually work quite as well in terms of keeping weight off. Um, so a lot of folks can get really obsessed with just being on the elliptical, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or on the bicycle. All day long,
0: yep. Right?
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and they're like, I'm not seeing any results. Your body needs a little bit more, um, more of a balanced way of, of movement. So even if you're doing cardio one day, you know, you're doing gentle, start start low, start slow, uh, work with a trainer if you can. Um, there's tons of trainers who actually um, work specifically with women with these issues mm. um, and know exactly the exercises that are are most appropriate. But again, it all comes back to what can you do consistently
0: mm-hmm. and what do you love? Yeah, right? and because honestly, we want no- to. Most females shouldn't be doing high intensity activity every single day. I mean, especially with our hormone fluctuations and stuff like that. And, and like you mentioned, the inflammation on the body to begin with. So,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing that I do, I always encourage is sweating, though. Mm. Um, Sweating is key because of the detoxification process and the fact that, you know, there's typically a a heavy toxic load Mm. for folks with PCOS. So I always emphasize that if you can get into Asana or, you know, if you're doing something that is really kind of allowing you to get your sweat on, that is really great. Um, It also helps with the acne as well, because you're getting everything out through those pores um, I find that that a lot of clients say that that's quite helpful when I've made that recommendation.
0: Excellent. So. so for those of you who are in quarantine like us and, you know, can't maybe make it to your local sauna, you know, we were just talking about how when you go for a walk, put some extra layers on and, you know, get your sweat on and yep. it'll feel good. But of course, hydrate on top of that. Make sure you're staying hydrated because if you're not properly hydrated, you can't adequately detox naturally and sweat it out so don't don't forget that little little hint if you're listening
1: that's actually a really big (laughs) really really big
0: piece right it's water (laughs) is important for blood sugar it's important for hormones and detoxing and i tell people if if you leave
1: digestion even
0: and digestion yeah i tell people if you leave today and the only thing that you learned was to drink more water you've just improved your health and at least 15 different ways, so.
1: Absolutely, even like, you know, I talk to clients about, um, you know, the digestive process and, you know, having enough hydrochloric acid to break down proteins and I'm like, water is a component of that as well. So if you're not drinking enough water, you're, you're really doing a disservice to your entire system.
0: Excellent, excellent. Wow, I could talk about this all day with you. You're you're a really fun guest to have on. Um, we'll have to do this again for sure. Oh, thank you. Um, so, oh, talk- I'm, I'm having a great time. Good. Oh, I'm so glad. So, so diet. We talked about diet. Um, basic overview is, you know, a balanced diet, making sure you're getting the essentials. Um, balancing your blood sugar is key, with, which is for everybody, right? We should all be focused on balancing our blood sugar for optimal hormone balance. You know, health in general. Um, we address the medications. We address um, certain herbals. We address lifestyle, which you mentioned. Um, Now, what are, what would be some things that you would suggest to clients who are um, really struggling with the stress part of it, um, or who, you know, maybe some exercises that you have found that have been really helpful for your clients?
1: So uh, before I start, or at the start of every call with a client, Mm -hmm. so they're all virtual now, (laughs) Um, but I always do a breathwork exercise, adjust to ground energy, always. Mm. Um, and I always start with on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? Um, and, you know, I try to, by the end of the call, hopefully they're at a different number than they started with, if it was a low number. Mm. So we start with that exercise. Breathwork is an incredibly um, useful a useful tool I love a lot of energy, energy medicine um, tools, so Reiki, um, anything like that that can really help to move energy through the body. Meditation, um, mindfulness, um, even incorporating that in into you know how they eat. So having a mindful moment when they're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite exercise is the the or the raisin one. I don't know if you know that one. Yeah, have you ever? of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I always do that one with them just to, you know, because we do so many things while we're just, you know, we're eating, while we're distracted, you know, watching TV, you know, on our devices. So all of those things really help to bring um, the nervous system down back into balance. Um,
0: And so what Sarone is talking about for those who aren't familiar about the craze and exercise and correct me if I'm wrong. um, I've done it with chocolate before. Is you know, you you experience the the multiple senses and you create this uh almost almost a hyper awareness of the the raisin or the chocolate that you're about to eat. Um you notice everything about it, you put it on the tongue, you move it around, you notice the textures, the taste, things like that. And um, you know, imagine eating your everyday food like that. People are probably listening, going, I don't think I even chewed my my lunch today, (laughs) you know. So it's, yeah. uh, it's a powerful exercise. Um, you you can even look it up online and find a little uh, meditation for it, but, but that's amazing. I think all of the things that you just mentioned and they don't have to be overwhelming, you know, the breath work, the meditation that can be, you know, said to a client today, you know, what about meditation? She said, well, I just, I feel like it's so hard to, you know, get yourself to completely shut off. That's not what meditation is. Meditation is- It's it's not. It's not. It's about being able to bring yourself back or just being able to acknowledge that you're stressed or that you're feeling or to be able to take two deep breaths that you maybe wouldn't have taken. So we have to let go of what, what relaxation, what meditation, what yoga, what all of the things should look like and just say, I am my own individual person. What feels good and what feels right for me?
1: Yeah, and I think too. So there's there's a couple of things to consider too. So, um, I'm I'm very fascinated with polyvagal theory, mm. and I really incorporate that a lot in my practice as well. So it depends on the client. If the person is tends to be, um, you know, in a hyper aroused state a lot, so more on the anxiety state, then you want to bring them down. But if they're more on a um, depressed state, you want to bring them up. Mm-hmm. So sometimes meditation is more challenging if you're in a depressed state, yes. as opposed to if you're in a hyperaroused yes. state, right? So if you tend to have a busy mind, then absolutely that's going to work more for you. Whereas someone who is more in a depressed or shut down state, you know, I give the example of the zebra in... Um, in nature, right? Like when they're they've been chased by a tiger or something, they and they get away. They kind of do this like shake, right? They <laughs> yeah. shake their whole body very vigorously, just to kind of get the the energy out, right? So sometimes more movement and then relaxation is is um, works better than just in that kind of like I'm going to go into Zen mode. It's right. sometimes harder for some people, so it just depends right? Where your, your, your set point is.
0: That makes complete sense. That's an excellent point. Now, is there anything that you feel like we're missing um, in terms of this episode and like for what the listener could have before we give the main three takeaways?
1: Uh, I think we've covered quite a bit. Um, The only thing I would speak to is energy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I work with energy a lot. I observe um, clients, what their and their makeup is, um, their general energy, um, and work on cultivating the feminine. Like that, that's that's one of the main things with reproductive health issues. If you are very young, meaning you're very go 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 hustle grind, mm-hmm. um, over I tend to be an overachiever, type A personalities, PCOS um folks with PCOS tend to have uh, you know a type a personality mm-hmm. you know I in my like in my observation my <laughs> 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 um right so how can you um how can you move shift that energy into something a little bit um more receptive and maybe putting some things down um mm-hmm. What if you weren't such a perfectionist? What would your life look like? Would you be? Would it be okay? Would you still be okay? Would you still be you? Mm. Um, working on that bit of it is is so important. Yeah. So that that's the only thing I would would really add is um, if you're struggling with that as you know, in your life, in your the way that you interact with people. Because the thing is, PCOS is not just affecting your physical body. You know, your sense of self, especially if it comes with a lot of these other external, you know, symptoms, right? Like acne and, you know, excessive hair growth, et cetera. But it's also affecting your relationship with other people. Right. Um, And so really coming back into balance with yourself, with with these two energies within you um, will really help have that reflect in your outer world as well. It it actually is life changing.
0: That's beautiful. I I, I read The Gift of Imperfection by Brené Brown last year. I worked with a therapist who I finally found who actually this was one of the main things we were working on is the perfectionist mindset and having to be on all the time and stuff like that. And I mean, I'm just oversharing my personal experience, but the the way that that transferred into my relationships in life and also how confident I felt and how I was able to be more intuitive about like so many different aspects in life was incredible. And so thank you for bringing that to this episode. I think that that will be invaluable. Thank you. I,
1: I'm I'm really so happy to be able to share um, on this topic because I think so many folks struggle with it and they feel frustrated like nothing is going to work um, a lot of the time. And there is a, there is that underlying belief that is needed. Like I can heal. I can, you know, this doesn't have to be a lifetime sentence. You know, I'm I'm not a prisoner of a diagnosis. You know, it's really actually an opportunity to see yourself and your life in a completely different way.
0: Yeah. And I think we didn't really mention that. I mean, you can, like, can PCOS go away? I don't know that we can say that, but can the symptoms of PCOS go away? No. I would say for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Um, I, there, like I said, I don't feel like it's a life sentence. You you might have um, periods of time when you're more stressed. And so, you know, those symptoms might come back, especially if you have a predisposition like we mentioned right Mm -hmm. if you have a genetic predisposition if you switch on those genes you know it's like a light switch Mm -hmm. so what are the contributing factors that will switch those genes on and if all of those are present then you'll see the manifestation of it but the opposite should be true as well in the absence of those things then can we shut off the gene expression
0: Mm -hmm. I want us to start thinking about these diagnoses as like a headache, right? So you get stressed or you consume too much alcohol or, you know, you do something that you know says, oh, that makes sense. I have a headache. So I, I want us to think about, okay, I'm diagnosed with PCOS. Okay. Versus thinking of, well, you don't walk around going, mm, yeah, I've been diagnosed with headache. Like nobody, I mean, if you have chronic migraines, that's obviously different, but yes. You know, Detaching a little bit from from that idea and understanding that there's a there's a roadmap here of how we got there and an underlying cause, I think, is, you know, the message. So anyways, so the three main takeaways, um, Saran, what would you give to the listener um, if they're either diagnosed or feeling discouraged? You know, whatever it is, what would be your three main takeaways?
1: So number one would be be gentle with yourself, be kind to yourself. And be patient with yourself. So that's three things in number one. (laughs) Excellent. Um, But that's what is really, that's really what's required for that first step. You know, so when you have that self-compassion, you know, oh, I gained five pounds this month. Like, are you going to freak out and be like, oh my God, it's not working? So can you can you come back to that center point and say, this is part of it, this is part of the journey. I'm doing the best that I can. Mm. Okay. Um, So that's number one. Number two. Um, you know as I mentioned to you before when you're choosing exercise do something that you like to do and that you know that you can commit to even if it's walking to start you know what I mean going for a walk every day or every other day do something that you know that you can stick to um for a, a particular period of time so that's number two and number three um really address the um, stress component, because as we mentioned before, right? It affects digestion, um, your hormone, everything. Mm. So if we can, af- and we can't avoid all stress. Like I I, I mentioned, to, um, I'm, I said in my IGTV video, we can't avoid stress. It's just part of being human. You need, actually need a little bit of stress. Um, to keep you motivated etc but when you sustain chronic levels of stress that that's when it becomes problematic so finding things that will support you relaxing more um, making adjustments to your lifestyle to support that um, that so that you have longer periods of rest um, and restore um, and and actually using your menstrual cycle as a blueprint, which we'll probably talk about next. Um, <laughs> so those last those last um, that those first couple of days, especially of your menstrual cycle, can you give yourself that time and space to just do nothing? You know, not. I know that's a privilege for a lot of folks. You know, you still have to work and things like that. But can you give your time? Can you plan your life? In a way that gives you some space and some grace on those first couple of days. That alone will make such a huge difference. Mm.
0: That's beautiful. Well, thank you for that advice, and I'm I'm sure the listeners will will be taking notes and, uh, and it, everything that you just said. If you just take one of those, even just the first one, is the mindset. You don't need any tools. You don't need a supplement. You don't need you know a pair of sneakers to do any of that. And to do the first part of what you said is to start to practice self compassion, and um, it's, it's similar to meditation. It doesn't look like you know beautiful fairyland. I love myself. I look in the mirror every day. Like no it's it's a it's a it's a relationship meaning you you work at it every single day
1: absolutely you're offering yourself your humanity
0: Mm. we're all human Mm -hmm. you know
1: we're all imperfect
0: yeah (laughs) exactly yep now the most important question um what is your favorite childhood memory with food oh Oh, there's so many. I'm from Jamaica. This is like a very loaded question. I'm sorry, but (laughs) I'm going to make you choose, I guess, first one that comes to mind, if you could. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so everybody,
1: if you're from Jamaica, you'll know what I'm talking about. Hellshire fish, fish from Hellshire Beach, you know, like on a Sunday when Mm. you're young and even when you're old, you go to the beach and you go to Aunt May's, there's all these little shacks on the beach and they all have virtually the same menu, but you pick your favorite one. Mm. You pick your favorite little shack and you have escovitch fish, you have bammy, which is like cassava, like a oh, cassava, cassava. Cake, right? Um, oh, it's so good. Like I can't go to Jamaica and not go there. But wow. I remember going there as a child all the time. It, it's like an, a very um, normal thing, a <laughs> regular thing to go to Hellshire Beach on a Sunday and, and have
0: Esco Beach fish. So Now, are you going to be able to go sometime in the future? Like, what does that look like? Do you go back and visit at all? Well, the pandemic
1: is making things hard, but usually I go back every year. So last year I was there before the pandemic. I was there in January um, doing a workshop. Um, And so that was the last time I was able to travel there. But my parents are still there. My grandma is there. So, you know, I still have family.
0: Well, good. I I look forward to you getting there so you can be with your family and experience that. And you mentioned, um, you know, a course. So tell us about your course. Um, Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, where where can people find you?
1: So I have a, a virtual course called Inner Seasons, a blueprint for honoring your body. And it's based on the four phases of the menstrual cycle. So I go through each phase as a season. So there's um, an, a natural correspondence there. And we look at how to manage your energy through the cycle. We look at nutrition through the cycle. So what's Great for the follicular phase. What you want to focus on in the luteal phase of your cycle or your premenstrual phase, how to manage um, PMS. Um, I also go into the herbs that support each um, each each phase, the supplements, the the nutrients, etc., and really creating a map for your life using this, so you know that you are. Your, you know, serotonin and estrogen rise towards the mid-cycle. How are you going to use that energy? You have all this creative um, potential and creative creativity bubbling up. Um, and then, what to do with those more challenging emotions that come in the premenstrual phase? Mm. And and really, the course is designed to help you not pathologize your menstrual cycle, because I think there's a lot of built-in shame around it. There's a lot of Like it's a nuisance. I really hate this thing. I hear that a lot rather than seeing it as something that is giving you a design for your life, Mm. for unfolding your life purpose, for working through challenging things and giving yourself time to rest. So Mm. we got three weeks of like energy and then seven (laughs) seven days of, you know, not as much energy. If you actually honor that cycle, then you will find that, you know, other things in your life will start to balance out so mm-hmm. the course is really about learning that body awareness learning how to nourish yourself and 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 practicing that self-compassion piece that i mentioned before so the the course actually starts on february 28th okay. um, the web, the website is www.learnwithsaran.com and um it's a quite dynamic so I all the things I mentioned are in there but I also touch on lunar cycles Mm. and you know feminine feminine energy and even in astrology and how all of that sort of ties in and can help to round out um, a whole a whole person you know so beautiful that's, that's a little bit about it yeah
0: Excellent. Well, thank you, Saran. And I look forward to checking it out myself and uh, look forward to what I assume was your formal <laughs> exception to my invitation to come back on at some point um, to discuss some more. Yes, topic. I would love to. That would be great. Well, I would thank love you to. So much for thank you time. so much. It's been a great conversation and you've been incredibly informative and I hope everybody enjoyed the episode and um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Okay. Thank
1: you. Oh, and I forgot to mention I'm on Instagram. Yes. Um, I'm at wellness underscore by underscore Saran.
0: Excellent. That's where you can find
1: me on IG.
0: I'm going to go follow you right now. I can't believe I wasn't already. (laughs) Thank you. All right, Saran. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you soon. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. PCOS is a really important topic as I'm seeing it becoming more prevalent among my female clients. And if you are interested in working one-on-one with me to get to the root cause of why you aren't reaching your health goals, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. You can also find my book, Rewire Your Gut, which is an excellent resource for anybody who's looking to improve their health. I've had such great feedback from this book from improved digestion to cleared up skin conditions, reduced cravings, and overall just incorporating more fun and delicious recipes that are gut-friendly into people's diets. So thanks for tuning in, and as always, don't forget to share the health.